believe in you. I believe in you. God believes in you. You believe in yourself now, don't you? Yeah. This lady, what a ministry. When you're the caregiver, you get to give everything. Who fills you up? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> but it's good to have somebody else say, Kathy, well done. Kathy, well done. Very well done. Very well done. Let's give her a hand. Just her, okay? We're going to talk about the power of mentoring, and I have seven minutes. You think I can do it? Okay. I get it. Well, let's just see what happens. So make sure you got your outline ready and your pen ready. I believe in you. All of us need a Paul. All of us need a Timothy. All of us need to mentor somebody. All of us need to invest in somebody or be invested in by somebody. We all need it. If you don't believe it, you, no man's an island. You can't make it. You won't make it. You need it. So far, we've looked in our series, and this is our last one today. In this series, we'll move on. We're going to do a look at the uh, Beatitudes into June, part of July. But so far, we've talked about the impact that we should be having on the next generation. We can't wait for them to assume leadership. We need to get them into leadership now. We need to get our young people to stand up. We need our young adults to stand up, and we need these young people to take charge and to step forward. Uh, we've talked about imparting spiritual life into them, developing mentors and examples that people can follow, uh, especially if we're new in our faith. We need to find somebody who's been at it a while and can teach us, can show us, can walk us, and help us get to that next level in our walk with God because it's very important. And today I want to focus on the power of that mentoring. The man's name was Tom Mall. Tom Mall, when I was 14, was the preacher at the Christian church in Wichita Falls, Texas. And Tom Mall decided he would invest in me as a young man in the church. There were several of us. And Tom began to invest his life in us. He'd play football with us. Uh, he, would, he had a convertible car, an old beat-up convertible car that we all at 14 thought was the greatest thing in the world. He would even let us drive it on the parking lot at the church. And we would drive to the end of the parking lot. We thought we were big-time stuff, you know, with that convertible car down. You could get just enough speed to get your hair to move. <laughs> but it was awesome. But I'm preaching today. Scott Middleton is preaching today because Tom Mall invested himself in us. He believed in us. He was the preacher that when I was, it was my turn to preach on Sunday night, I called him and said, I want to come and visit with you. I found a verse, and, 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 I, and it was the verse that he gave me, but I, you know, I found something in the verse I wanted him to see. So I went back and told him. He just got all excited that I, I brought that verse to him. He'd seen that verse a hundred times. I mean, he assigned it to me to preach, right? He knew it. But he got excited that I found something new there. So he was investing in me, and he made this statement. I'll never forget. He said, he said what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want to play football. I want to, I want to get, go through college. I want to play football in college. Then I want to go to Dallas Cowboys and play, and I'm going to wear number 74 because Bob Lilly should have retired by then, and I'm going to go play for the Dallas Cowboys. Because when we were, uh, we were playing for the state championship, first time ever in Texas Stadium, we were the home team, and I got to dress in 
in, in his locker. I found number 74 because that's what I wore, and that was Bob Lilly, and it had his name on it, but I saw my name on it. Absolutely. I was ready to play. Tom looked at me, and he said, you know what? There's enough football players, but there will never be enough preachers. Would you consider preaching? I said, no. No. He said, why not? I said, because I don't like getting up in front of people and talking. <laughs> never tell God that. But what do I do today? For 36 years, I've been doing this. But it was good that God sent Wilson Wheatley into my, into my life. Wilson Wheatley graduated from Brenham High School, Brenham, Texas, went to the University of Houston, started his freshman year, four years later started for the Cincinnati Bengals. He and I would have been across from each other on the, on the football field. I would have been blocking him. He was six foot six and weighed 330 pounds in 1973. That was a very large man. And I felt every day grateful that God called me to preach. Every day. <laughs> One of the things that we do, ladies, is we hold our Bibles up and say a little mantra. So let's go ahead and do that. If you have your electronic device that has your Bible on it, you can use that. I'm a child of God. Child of God. Have in my hand. Have in hand. Powerful, word of God. Powerful word of God. Can change lives. Change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I believe in you. Now tell the person on the other side because they didn't hear you. <laughs> if you don't have somebody, just tell yourself, okay? Now in those Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Read these verses earlier, but we're going to be there today. When Jesus found out that he had three and a half years left on the earth, he set out to create his living legacy. He did three things that I think we need to do when we mentor somebody. Three things, very simply, he discovered, he developed, and he deployed. Discover, develop, and deploy. Those are the three things that we need to do. I'm sure... Kathy, if, help me if I'm, not, if I'm not telling this right. I'm sure that when the girls first come there, some of these girls become their mentors. Yes. Why would they want them to mentor the kids that just get here? Because they've been there. Right? So a girl comes in and says, well, I've got a drug problem. Which one of them is going to say, uh-huh? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, I was raped when I was 14. Uh-huh. Still waiting for, see what I'm saying? Because you can't kid a kidder. Now what, what can they give that young person? Hope. Hope that there's something greater. Can't wait for you to find it. And then you got to knock the walls down, right? <laughs> oh, it takes forever to get the walls down. And then they act like the walls are down. <laughs> oh, I found him. I found him. Oh. They start carrying on like they found something. But you'll know when you found it. You don't have to brag about it. It just shows up. Amen? It just shows up. I was tearing up back there. And boy, when they turned around and said, but the truth is, the truth is, 
Man. Mm. There's, I'm thinking of several places I need you to come. <laughs> I can think of a whole football team that needs to hear from them. Rodney's got a baseball team in Mounds that needs to hear from them. And basketball. And basketball. Yeah. So hang in there, sister. Right. You may wish you hadn't come over here. <laughs> a couple of stories, let me tell you, from the story of Jesus from his life. Uh, I mean, you all know the story, how he picked the, Peter, James, and John, says, hey, come follow me, they drop the nets, they go. A couple of them that, that maybe you haven't thought about. One of them is Matthew, tax collector, gouging people. <laughs> Had two sets of books. One for the government, one for himself. Sound like Parmenter on that truck driving thing. A little bit. Beyond. <laughs> Look at him back there. No, no. <laughs> Some of them used to do that, maybe still do. You know, there's trouble waiting to happen there. But see, if you don't lie, you don't have to know who you told. If you always tell the truth. Works out a lot better, doesn't it? Works out a lot better. Maybe the government should learn that. Matthew gouging people, made money, gouging his own people. And I, I think he kind of kept some back from the Roman government, both sets of books. But Jesus comes along and he says, you know, Matthew, I think you're doing stuff wrong. But I think you're doing it wrong in the right way. You're really amazing how you get it done. You're kind of persuasive. And I think I'd like to have you a part of my team. So he says to Matthew, unlikely guy, he says, Matthew, I want you to consider coming and following me. And of course, Matthew goes, nah, forget it. No, the Bible says he left everything and went to follow Jesus. Because Jesus knew that he was going to need somebody with an analytical mind who could list things properly to write the first book of the Bible, especially the first 18 verses of the book of Matthew that none of us really read anymore. We don't read that one because it's begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so. We kind of start Matthew and we go, okay, now we get to the, we go down to the other verse, right? We don't really care about the begats, 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 a bunch of sex going on. People having babies, here we go. Amen? That's the way book of Numbers. We keep, we get to, we want to read the Bible in a whole year, right? We set a goal. We do Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and then we get to Numbers and we go, oh, because it's all about numbering stuff. And we go, God, can I just fast forward through this? You know what I encourage you to do? Go ahead. Just fast forward through it. But you're going to miss some stuff. Don't be too quick. Scan it before you move past it. There's some great stories in there. But Jesus believed in Matthew and he called him to come join him. Second one I think about is Thomas. What do we know him as? Doubting, doubting Thomas. 21st century and we still called him Doubting Thomas. He's the guy that really didn't believe, right? They're in the upper room. They're waiting for Jesus. Jesus has risen from the grave. They've never seen him. They don't know what's going on. All of a sudden he appears and, and all of them are in awe except Thomas. Oh, doubting Thomas. He goes, until I touch the hole in your hand and the spear in your side, the hole in your side, I won't believe. Right? So he says, well, come here. Now, what if you were Thomas? Come here. Come here. So he goes over and he pokes his finger in the hole. 
I wonder if it went all the way through. I don't know. That would have been fun, would it? Oh, hey, hey, hey. And then Jesus went. I, I don't know. See, that's how I think when I read the scripture. You know, don't let the story just be the story. You got to think about that. He might even try to put two, I don't know if he put two fingers in, I don't know. But there's a story from history about Thomas that I wasn't aware of until I was putting this together. Thomas, Doubting Thomas, history says, traveled the farthest of all the disciples. He ended up in India. No airplanes, no Hummers, no GPS, no guides, but he came all the way from the Palestine to the country of, of India and began to watch the Hindu priests in the Indian Ocean standing waist deep in the water. And as they worshiped, one of the elements of their worship is they'd pick up water and they'd throw it up to the sun god and when they'd throw it up, it would come back down. They'd throw it up, and it would come back down. So Doubting Thomas sees this, and he walks out into the water with them. He kind of cinches up his uh, rabbinical robes, and he walks out there, and he gets by them, and he says, Hey, guys, you throw up your water, and, and your God, what does he do with it? He throws it back down. He said, What if I throw, my wa throw the water up, and my God keeps it up there? And they all looked at him. And history says... India's history says Thomas threw the water up and it's suspended. <laughs> Is that possible? Anything's possible with God, isn't it? In fact, it so transformed the people who saw this and witnessed it that in the southern part of India, to this day, churches are known as Thomasites. Because they built it around Doubting Thomas. So Jesus took Doubting Thomas, said, I know that you don't believe in me right now, Thomas, in that upper room, but one day you're going to believe in me. And I'm telling you what, Thomas, you're going to do great things because I believe in you. Say that with me. I believe in you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. He would tell Thomas, because I believe in you. It doesn't matter what people say about you, church. I believe in you. It doesn't matter what your parents say about you, young people, because God believes in you. It doesn't matter about your husbands or wives, what they say about you, because God believes in you. And the thing you need to understand is because God says he believes in us, it ought to rise. It ought to raise us. It ought to help us rise above whatever it is that we're facing. And the great news is he loves us so much. That he wants to spend forever with us. Isn't that awesome? He wants to spend forever with us. It's hard for me to spend 10 minutes with myself. And he wants to be forever with me. Wow. Of course, he'll clean me up pretty good by the time he sees me. That'd be awesome. I saw a picture in a newspaper, a, a picture of a woman next to a man. She had her head on, a, had her head on his chest. I thought that's kind of peculiar, and I read on in the article. And what the article was about, I mean, they didn't know each other. The story told about the, 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 they didn't know each other at all. But what had happened is that this girl's daughter had died in a car accident and she had been an organ donor. And this man became the recipient of that girl's heart. And so the mother found the man that had the heart of her daughter and went and wanted to listen to her daughter's heart beat inside the man's chest. Do you realize that in your chest and my chest there are lots of hearts that are beating? 
of people who have invested themselves in us and that very heartbeat that's going on every moment dun, 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 came from a lot of people who, has, who have given themselves to you and to me so that we could be where we are today. Is that not an awesome thought? Is that not an awesome thought? If somebody put their head on your chest, how many hearts would they hear? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. According, in verse 10, according to the grace of God which was given me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. Paul is saying two things here. Number one, I'm a master builder. If you want to know that everyone in this room is a master builder, I want you to know that. Because everyone in this room is a master builder. Whatever you're building, you're building something. You're building something. You're either building up or you're tearing down. Why don't you build up? Say kind words. Say nice words. Words do hurt. But they also heal. Amen? And we need to be about that business. The second thing he says, he's a master builder, and he says, somebody laid a foundation. So Paul says, I've laid the foundation. And he goes on to say, there is somebody else who's going to come and build on this foundation that I have laid so Paul laid the foundation, but somebody's building on it. And in your life, in my life, somebody built on the foundation that was laid. Tom Maul laid it in me, but others have built it since then. Mark Barrier, my brother, my brother John, as much as I hate to admit it, he's built on it. He's built on it. You know, some of you know my brother. I love him because he's in Brownsville, Texas. I don't have to see him that often. He's a fellow preacher just like I am. But he's an awkward brother. I don't know if you have awkward brothers or sisters. They'll say things at inappropriate times. And they'll say things in a way that make you go, ay, 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 ay. And they don't understand what they've said and they have no idea. Any of you got that one? Yeah. That's him. But his heart's in the right place. Oh, his heart's in the right place. He loves people. He loves people. But he poured himself into me. My children pour into me. I remember at a time when I was really down, and my son Jeff was the one that really lifted me up. I was listening to the song Sarah Beth the other day, where the boy, the girl has cancer and she lost all of her hair, and the boy shows up, takes off his hat, and he's shaved his head off. And I instantly thought of my three sons and said, that's just the type of character that they would be. They would do that. They would take a girl to the prom who didn't have any hair and they'd cut their hair off so that she would feel okay. That's the way we're supposed to be, isn't it? That's the way we're supposed to be. Somebody's going to build on the foundation that's already been built in you. And there's two things I want you to think about, your past and your future. Number one, in the past, I want you to think about and rewind in your life and see all the people who have been big in your life, who brought to you and got you to where you are right now. There's a bunch of them if you'll stop and think about it. Somebody brought you to where you are right now. And I want you to start thinking about those people you've brought and where their life and where your life is today because of what they've done for you and what they've said to you. And you may need to call them, email them, text them, send them a note, write them a note, send a, send a card, I don't know. Somehow get a word to them and say, hey, thanks. Thanks. Amazing things can happen as people look back and say thank you to somebody. It can be a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a neighbor, 
I'm so glad that a teacher said, I did what I was not supposed to do. I prayed and I prayed out loud down in Moore when she huddled over her children. She can pray out as loud as she wants to. And if somebody wants to argue about that, it's time for us Christians to stand up and tell that person where to go and how fast to get there. They need to hurry up and go to heaven. <laughs> you thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? <laughs> oh, just why don't you go to heaven? Boy, that'd get them, wouldn't it? Poor old ACL, you wouldn't know what to do with that. They go in conniption fits. Stand up, Christians. It's okay. They're doing it all over more. Don't need the government. The president's going to do his photo op today. <laughs> That's right. I'm here. And, and they're already happy. I love what Shepard Smith said two days afterwards. He said, these people are already rebuilding here. <laughs> yeah, they are, brother. Yeah, they are. Somebody you need to thank. And then as you look in the future, Lord, who do I need to discover? Who do I need to discover? Who do I need to pass something on to? One of the things that these ladies get to do is they get to help somebody coming behind them in a very real and tangible way. And when they see those people turn and change, it kind of touches you right here, doesn't it? Gets you right here. It does. Because God used you to do something miraculous and supernatural. Don't get cocky. Be humble. Be humble. Be humble. He can take a doubting Thomas. He can get, take a gouging Matthew, a tax collector, and he can do great things. Now, back to your connection card. Flip it over. Look at it. Do you have those three names written in there? There's three blanks. I want you to write three names in there. Do you have it? If you need a pen, raise your hand. We'll bring you a pen. I want you to, want you to be able to write three names. Three names of people that you're going to say, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. Write them down. Write them down. And while you're writing, let me pray with you. Lord, thanks for believing in us. When there was no reason to believe in us, you believed in us. When we could not believe in ourselves, you believed in us. And then you sent people into our lives who in a tangible way believed in us. So even as we're reflecting back on our life and we begin to think about how we're going to send a Facebook message, a Twitter, an email, a text, a phone call, a card, or a letter, whatever shape or form it might be in, as we reflect on our life, we want to stop and to say thank you. But first of all, we want to say thank you to you for being a loving Father and a gracious Savior who cared enough to lift us from the pits of hell and give us all that heaven has to offer. And so when we look forward to our life, help us to discover, help us to develop, and help us to deploy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We always offer an invitation.